Welcome to today's podcast. I'm Scott Knuckles with The Untold Story. Thank you for joining me. I hope today's message will drive you to a greater faith, a more lasting hope, and a deeper love for others and yourself. I'm reminded of the quote by Thomas Edison. He said, Many of life's failures are people who did not realize how close they were to success when they gave up. Let's get started with today's podcast. Thank you for joining me on this journey. It's been a crazy whirlwind for my family and me. We've endured multiple weddings, graduations, a job change. This year has been full of twists and turns. I'd like to welcome you to Season 2, Episode 4 of The Untold Story, entitled, Have You Ever Argued With God? How many of you would agree when you take a test, the teacher is often silent in the background? They are observing carefully, but usually are quiet and typically go unnoticed. The test taker sits alone, working through the questions and pondering whether they're correct. Doesn't it feel like when we're in the midst of the storm, a test? It can feel lonely. We can feel isolated. Most of us do not get excited about tests, but we recognize there's a purpose in it for all of us. We pass the test and we realize that we are thoroughly ready, we're certified, and able to move forward. But during that test, we must realize that God has not forgotten us. We can't interpret this time of testing in our lives as the absence of God. On the contrary, it's quite the opposite. We have to know that in the dark moments, in the difficult test of life, that God still has us in the palms of His hands. He knows it's difficult. He knows that we feel an overwhelming sense of dread and fear. He knows that we are thinking we can't do it. We can't go on. But help is always on the way. In due time, help shows up. The Bible says that weeping endures for a night, but joy comes in the morning. About two years ago, I was in a terrible place. I was questioning myself, doubting myself, and it had to do with my future. My entire career, I've taken difficult assignments. Assignments that stretched me and required long hours. Assignments that required relocating and uprooting my family. During that time, I went to school and got an MBA. It required selling homes we loved and then turning around and having to buy a new one in a different location. It drove us to meeting new people and learning new things everywhere we went. And then I had to travel extensively to be away from the family. During that entire time, my whole goal had been on learning and taking on more responsibility. Two years ago, when I was in that rough place, I was praying earnestly, and I heard within my heart, you are leaving your job in the company you worked for in the next couple of years. I said, what? Wouldn't it be simple to end my career with the same company in the role that I'd always envisioned and worked hard for? What's going on here? What am I going to do? Will anyone hire me after 25 years with the same company? My prayers became urgent. 
Why did you give me all this training? Why did you prepare me in this way? Why did you have me do all these things? Is it going to go to waste? Am I simply going to fade into oblivion after all this work? Do we have enough to retire? When do you want me to retire? What will the next chapter of my life and the lives of my family look like? I did what all of us would probably do. I thought, well, I need to start looking for another job if I'm leaving in a couple of years. I started talking to people. I started applying for a couple of jobs, and I couldn't get a piece about it. I said, Lord, you told me I'm leaving, but yet I have no peace about doing anything to find another job. What is going on? I stopped looking for jobs and just completely dove head first into my job and did my job day in and day out, but having no idea what the future would hold. After some time, I'd gotten some calls about Florida and North Carolina and California and Texas, and I thought, I guess we'll be moving again. Don't want to do that. All of our friends are here. We love it here, but it's happened before, and we'll just have to adjust. Two years later, I found myself in March of this year. In the busiest season of our company, busiest season we'd ever known, and guess what they did? They offered retirement packages, and yours truly was eligible. I would go for walks asking God all these questions with no answers. I was confused, but I I did know in the deepest part of me, I said, you've got a plan. I know you do. I wish you'd share it with me, but during that time, it was so quiet And I heard nothing, and it was really, really frustrating. How many of you have ever argued with God? You've been so frustrated that you could not hold back, and you pleaded your case with Him. You know what I'm talking about. Have you ever screamed or cried or prayed in such a way that you just wanted an answer from God, and you got nothing? Zilch. Zero. You've argued your case with God and you come out at what feels like the losing end. Doesn't that feel hopeless? Well, I was reading in the Bible several months ago about the time this package came out, and I didn't connect the two at that moment. I'd like to say I did, but I didn't. But I read a passage of scripture that I've read many, many times before, and I did a double take. I read it again to make sure that I was processing what I read correctly, and it it struck me, and I couldn't help but ponder it over and over again. And I'd like to set the stage. Moses found himself in a major conundrum when he was out shepherding sheep, and this story is found in Exodus chapter 3 and 4, and Moses has the boldness, the aggressiveness to argue with God about something. And God was actually allowing it. And I'm reading through it, and I'm trying to understand Moses' position. And then I'm thinking about God and trying to understand his position. But think about it like this. After 40 years of being raised with royalty in the courts of Pharaoh, Moses, who had begun to have compassion and identity with his people, the enslaved Israelites, had actually stepped in and in a fit of rage killed an Egyptian beating one of his fellow Hebrew kinsmen. 
what he did was he escaped Egypt and started a new life shepherding sheep and goats for 40 years. Imagine being in the wilderness for 40 years. Moses finds himself a fugitive of the law, and he had one tough life and was lucky to be alive. Let's talk about this story a bit more. Most of you know that Moses is a walking miracle. When he was an infant, most boys were being murdered by drowning at the decree of King Pharaoh, who was fearing a revolution by the Hebrews. All had been well, but now things had changed. Scripture reveals that Moses' mom somehow realized that Moses was special, had been able to hide him for three long months, but now weeping realized she had to send him down the river in a small canoe-type structure she made. Miraculously, the king's daughter, think about that, the king's daughter heard the sound of him crying, had compassion for him, and Moses was rescued. Pharaoh's daughter took Moses to be her very own son. When Moses saw one of his fellow Israelites being beaten by an Egyptian, in a fit of rage, he killed him and fled the scene to save his own life. After escaping, Moses was approaching Mount Oreb, which is also known as Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. This mountain would play an extraordinary role for the nation of Israel and the world. Moses is minding his own business and tending his flock when he encounters a burning bush. But even with the bush engulfed in fire, it was not burning. This caught the attention of Moses, and he said, I'm going to go and see this amazing sight. Let me check it out. Somehow, God appears in a burning bush, and he calls to Moses from the midst of the bush and says, Moses, Moses. He said, here I am. In a gesture of worship, the Lord says, take off your shoes. This is holy ground. He says to Moses, You are talking to the I am. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At that moment, Moses hid his face in fear and reverence to the God of his fathers. God, our King of glory, begins to pour out his heart to Moses. He says, I have heard the cry of my people. I see their sorrow, and I am going to deliver them. I'm going to give them a great land with lots of extras beyond their wildest imagination. God says again, Moses, I want you to know. I have heard my people cry, and I have seen how they are being oppressed. Moses, let's go now and get my people out. Something peculiar happens. This is what got my attention. This exchange of words that would cause me to ponder it for multiple days. And it would cause me to ponder who our Heavenly Father truly is and get me to think about Moses more carefully. Moses says in chapter 3, verse 11, Who am I that I should go out to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? But God says, I will certainly be with you. I will give you a sign. When you have brought them out, you shall serve me on this very mountain, the mountain that would have Moses see the God of the universe face to face. 
See, the God of the universe uses very fingers to write the commandments. But Moses said, When the people of Israel ask me, what, what is your name? What shall I tell them? God said, Tell them I am who I am. Tell them I am has sent me to you, the God of your fathers. This is my name forever and a memorial to all generations. Go to the elders and tell them, Go see Pharaoh. Tell them exactly what is about to happen. But Moses said, But suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they say, The Lord has not sent you, or the Lord has not appeared to you. The Lord says, Let me show you, Moses. And God himself provides a staff and tells Moses, Drop it on the ground, and it turned into a snake, and pick it up, and it turned back into a rod. This will help them know that I have sent you. He said, Put your hand in your bosom and take it out. It became leprous and then healed again. Moses, if they don't believe you, we will get their attention with another sign. But Moses said to the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant. God says, Who made man's mouth? Who makes the mute, the deaf, the seeing, or the blind? Now go, and I'll be with your mouth and teach you what to say. But Moses again said, send someone else. I'm not interested. It's not for me. The Lord gets a little angry, but he provides another solution for Moses. Offers Aaron, his brother, to help him. And says, I will be with your mouth and his you realize that God has to visit Moses yet again to get him to go. And he says, Moses, go on. The men who want to kill you are dead. It's time to rescue my people. I ask all of you, what does this say about Moses? I'm pondering, do you think he was scared? Think he was afraid that he'd go back and he'd be imprisoned or killed? Even though God is telling him he's going to use him and commune with him on the mountain, he resists over and over again. Do you think Moses is thinking to himself, I can't go back to that life? And then I wonder if he's rebuking the Lord. Thanks, God, but no thanks. What would you do if you saw someone talking to God like that? How would you handle it? Today, if we saw someone questioning God like that in one of our churches, we would probably rebuke them on the spot. Look who you're talking to. He just did a miracle in front of you. He gave you a staff that has miraculous power. He told you that you're going to live and the two of you are going to commune on a mountain. Even after all that, he told you that you could invite your brother as help. Finally, he has to come and tell you that your accusers are dead. And yet you have the audacity to turn him away. Are you kidding me? You are committing blasphemy. But wait a minute. How did God handle it? What does this passage say about our God? He's very patient. The God of the universe shows such patience and loving kindness. He shows understanding of the situation. He patiently listened to every one of Moses' concerns and helped provide solutions for every one of them. He instilled confidence. I will be with you and help you through this. 
Finally, he provides a glimpse of what the future is going to be like for his people, a land flowing with milk and honey. Isn't this a terrific conversation? Wouldn't this be an amazing way for us to listen to our children and the people around us as they have concerns about what's going on in their lives? So what are we to make of all this? The first thing I can see is that out of a pure heart, we're to pray exactly as we feel, what we are sensing, and that we shouldn't hide anything from our Heavenly Father. After all, He knew exactly what was going on in Moses. If God can handle five objections from Him, He can handle our objections too. If you haven't prayed in a while, isn't it time to spend some time alone telling Him exactly what's going on? When you think about telling God exactly what's going on, we have to remember back if you've had kids or been around kids when they first started talking, didn't they say or don't they say the silliest things? What do we tend to do? We laugh about it because we understand what they're trying to say is not actually what they mean to say. And we have to remember that with God. People don't always understand what we're trying to say and misunderstand us. But God doesn't judge merely what we say, but thankfully he understands the motives of our heart, even when our prayers are inartful. Secondly, we must believe that God is going to finish his work in us. This is a man who saw the heights of royalty to the simple life as a shepherd. He wasn't ready to go back to that life. Can you imagine how he recalled not being able to be raised by his family? He understood that day in and day out that his very people were being treated unfairly. He looked upon his past and thought, I'm a murderer, a fugitive, but God still had a plan for him, but he couldn't see it. God would use his past to direct his very future. God never once said, why did you do this or that? God said what? I hear my people crying, and you are going to go with me to deliver them. God was saying, I'm going to do things through you that you never dreamed possible. Your last act will be better than your former. Your end of days will see miracles that your eyes can scarcely imagine. Third, we must recognize that we can't do anything without Him. Through the deliverance of God's people through Moses, Over and over again, he said, don't leave us. I don't want to go on if you aren't with us. He realized it was useless without him. The Bible says that God is the vine and we are his branches. Apart from him, we can do nothing. So when we call upon his name, we do that. And we believe that he's going to finish the work within us. Today, we witness that the God of the universe doesn't look at our past as if to condemn us. In fact, when we come to Him, He somehow uses it all, everything for His glory. He takes every failure, every heartache, every ounce of pain and says, I will use it for my glory. I will use it for good. The end will be better than the beginning. God is in the business of taking the broken and the abandoned and rescuing them for a higher purpose. Moses was that man. But God said, I've got important work for you to do. World-changing work. Let's go. Can you imagine what happened to Moses through this ordeal? 
did he or did he not turn into a mighty man? A man who was once in fear ended up praying for Pharaoh. A man who ended up speaking judgment on an entire people and helped delivering those that were enslaved. A man who was too afraid to speak became a powerful spokesman. Moses became a great deliverer by the hand of God. There were times when Moses would speak to God through all he was going through and he say, If your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. And the Lord said what? Listen to this. I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, Moses, and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. God was building Moses up over and over again. My presence will go with you, he said, and I will give you rest. How many of you are looking for rest? How many of you are looking for his presence? How many of you are sitting in the middle of that test right now and don't know the answers and you desperately want to phone in for some help? Can you imagine in the process of all that testing for Moses, he gained a friend and that friend turned out to be God himself. This man who saw God face to face watched God inscribe the Ten Commandments with his very fingers. This man who saw God day in and day out This man who was told to go up on the mountain because it was time for him to die. It was God, his friend, who buried him. It was God who tended to him in the final hours of his life. It was God himself that called Moses a friend. See, for a time Moses was stuck, almost paralyzed and unable to move. He was out in that wilderness for 40 years. God visits him and he argues a bit. But it was out of a heart of fear, complacency, and doubt. But God strengthened the man Moses, and he was able to stand up and reach the calling that God had for him. That's what he'll do for you and me. When I cried out to him about my journey and not having direction, God visited me. He said, I'm going to change the course of your life. My friends, if he hadn't done that, I would not have taken that package and I would have stayed with that company. But those words brought comfort to me and gave me some direction. Even through all that, I continued to argue about what it all meant. But God understood that it was out of a heart of concern that kept me or held me back and caused doubt to creep in. But he helped me. Imagine this, two years from the time I heard those words in my spirit, you are leaving. I now have a new job, even before the old job is finished. Isn't God amazing? He showed me where I was going eight months before I would leave my current company. All the tools that I put in those toolbox, in that toolbox, and asked God what was going to happen to those, I get to put them to great use. As we close, how many of you have found that God is faithful? Do you believe that He can be trusted? Have you found Him to be dependable and reliable? Maybe you don't feel that way right now. Maybe you feel like the deck has been stacked against you. You haven't seen a miracle and haven't seen your burning bush yet. Sometimes what we're going through, what we've gone through, is because God wants to do something greater in your life or someone else's life. We don't always know why. In Moses' case, even when God told him what he wanted to do, Moses couldn't see the big picture because he could only focus on his own test, the storm he was going through in his life. 
But God wanted to deliver a nation that was so wrapped up in hardship that he said, I've had enough. Let's go get them out. Moses was stuck in thinking about himself and his situation that he forgot that God's ways are so much higher. His plans are far greater. He is willing for us to suffer at times in order for his glory to shine through our lives and into the lives of the people around us. Moses worried about his own life when God was concerned for the lives of two million people. As I ponder this message for me and for all who are listening, it doesn't take a lot to understand what God's looking for. He says, you have not because you, you ask not. He says, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke, for it is easy, and my burden is light. In James, it says, when you ask, you do not receive. Why? Because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. God says, stop trying everything else. Try me for a change. Why do you want to take the long road, he would say to us, and exhaust every other thing? Then come to me with all that's going on in your life and see what I'll do for you. In Romans chapter 10, it says, The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call upon him. Psalm 145, The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. Wouldn't you agree that with man, with you and me, moving those obstacles, seeing those mountains moved by ourselves, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Do you know he'll remove everything we put our trust in to drive us back to him? Yes, we will be put into the desert, into the wilderness. We'll find ourselves in the deepest, darkest places only to look up and finally call upon our Father. What did we see happen so many times in the Bible when men would get in trouble? What would it say they would do? Men would call upon the name of the Lord. They had an instinct. When troubles came, even today you can talk about an atheist, an agnostic, a backslider or a Christian, when they get into trouble, what do they do? They call upon the name of the Lord. I love this scripture in Luke 18. It's about Jesus said that men ought to always pray and not lose heart. The Bible says, and call upon me in the day of trouble and I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. And then Jesus, when he wrapped that prayer up, it's incredible to think about the context in which he was sharing it. It says, And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice against my adversary. The judge said, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I'll give her justice. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Do you hear that? This is so precious. Call upon him and glorify him and he'll deliver us. He wants us to call upon him. He tells us to, that we ought to always pray and never give up and expect an answer. 
What Jesus is saying is that prayer is like a pressure valve. The more we pray, the more the pressure builds. The more the pressure builds, an explosion is going to happen, and God's hand is going to move in our situation. Things begin to happen in the natural realm. Chains begin to break free. Prison doors fly open. The spiritually dead come to life. Understanding is given and wisdom is bestowed and provision is distributed. The Bible tells us pray without ceasing. It says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. He says we fight not against flesh and blood, but we pray in the spirit to break the spirit of heaviness. How many of you want that heaviness lifted off? Even now, want that yoke of heaviness off your shoulders, the weightiness that's on your mind to go. That's what God does in his power, in his beauty, in his, in his loving kindness. You know, we can sit here, we can't say why some prayers take so long to get answered. But what we can do is trust that God is in control and that he's going to do He's going to carry out His perfect will in our lives. He can handle our situations, everything we're going through. There's one last story I want to tell you, and it's in Mark chapter 9, verses 17 through 29. There was this man who approached Jesus. He said, I went to your disciples, but they couldn't help me. He said, my son is so sick, a spirit is seizing him. It throws him to the ground, and he foams and grinds his teeth. I asked your people to heal him, but they couldn't do it. Jesus said, bring him to me. It said, when the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately went crazy and threw the boy to the ground where he was foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked, how long has this been happening? The man said, since childhood. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Listen to what Jesus says. Listen to what Jesus says. If you can, all things are possible for the one who believes. Immediately the father cried out and said, I believe, but help my unbelief. Jesus rebuked the spirit and it was gone. The disciples said, why couldn't we do it? Why couldn't we cast it out? And he said, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. Jesus said, all things are possible. The power for this boy's deliverance was through prayer. You know what's interesting? Of all the things we can't do, we can't rescue ourselves typically from our most difficult situations. We can't work our way out and others can't do it. But there's one thing that we can do that will make an impact and that is pray. I started by talking about a test. Most of us are taking a test. And it feels like we're taking it alone with no resources other than what we've memorized and studied. The truth is we're always on some kind of test. But even though we feel alone, we aren't alone. See, the Hebrew word for test means to keenly look at. That God is keenly looking in on your situation. Isn't that great? The reason we are being tested is because God is looking at us specifically and is preparing us for something greater in our future, not unlike what we learned about Moses. See, God's nature never changes. He is and he'll always be. 
He is the I am, which means he is present in every situation. Yahweh means he is. He is God. Think about who we go to when we're in need. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he rewards those that diligently seek him. He is Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will provide. He is Jehovah Rapha. The Lord that heals. He is Jehovah Nisi. The Lord my banner. The Lord my miracle. He is Jehovah Shalom. The Lord is peace. He is Jehovah Sabaoth. The Lord of hosts, the Lord of powers, Jehovah Ra, the Lord, my friend. Who is the friend that sticks closer than a brother? Isn't he altogether lovely? Isn't he holy, holy, holy? Isn't he the Prince of Peace, the Rock of Ages, the everlasting God? Isn't he our portion, our maker, Jesus, Yeshua, our salvation? Isn't he our brother, the bread of life, the way, the truth, and the life? The head over all things the church, God our Savior, the author and finisher of our faith, perfect in every way, the Savior of the world. He is Jesus the Christ, the Almighty which was and is and is to come. He is the beginning and the end, the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the tree of life that's crowned with many crowns, the bright and morning star. So go ahead and pray. Go ahead and argue your case. Go ahead and plead with your maker. Why? Because he wants you to. He wants you to come to him regardless of what you're thinking, feeling, or going through. He wants you to know that He is there and that He is active and that He is listening. It means that we will have confidence that He is going to move. It means that you know you can trust Him. It means His answer is on the way. God bless you richly as you seek to draw close to the Father. I hope you've enjoyed listening to today's podcast. Would you take a moment and provide a rating, subscribe, and consider sharing this message of encouragement with others? You can also visit us on scottknuckles.com to get more information. Until next time, blessings. Blessings.